Well, good morning. It's fantastic to be here with you. And I just want to stay from the start that I just feel so blessed um, just to be here and to be able to worship with you. Just, um, it feels incredible. It really does. So it's an absolute joy and pleasure for me to be able to share with you from God's Word. It's something that I love to do. I absolutely love to do this. And um, this morning, like Fred did last week, I'm going to share a little bit of my story um, with you. It's not going to tie in as nicely as Fred's did last week with his passage of Scripture. I mean, the whole Fishers of Men thing really lent itself beautifully to his story and calling, didn't it? (laughs) Mine has proven to be a little bit trickier this morning. Um, to do the same. So I'm just going to share a bit of my story here on the front end of our time together. So I grew up in a loving Christian home. I have wonderful parents um, who I'm so thankful for. They are Salvation Army pastors as well. Well, actually they were. They are retired now. Um, But I have wonderful parents. I had a wonderful upbringing, and I just grew up in the church, and I loved church life. Um, My mom tells stories about, I don't know, how I was, you know, the neighborhood evangelist from the age of four. I would walk around, and I would make sure that everyone knew that they needed to love Jesus more than anyone or anything in the entire world. I also used to just like swing on our swing set in the backyard and I would sing hymns from the top of my lungs. (laughs) And our neighbors loved that. (laughs) Lisa, I think they did. I think they loved it. Um, I grew up obviously and I've lost some of that boldness over the years. I'm not sure that my singing hymns, you know, on a swing at the park somewhere would encourage people to come to church today would probably scare them away a little. So I've taken to preaching the word. I think it's a much more effective way for me to share my love of Jesus um, and to share with you guys and with others about why we all need him. I developed a love for preaching when I was um, in seminary, and I'm a bit of an introvert, so it's kind of interesting I actually really like being behind the scenes. I'm I'm more comfortable there. So being out in front like this, in front of people, it's not something that I ever set out to do or ever even aspired to do. But when I was at seminary and uh, studying God's Word, I realized that I really loved to do that. And I loved taking passages of Scripture and diving into commentaries and Bible dictionaries and figuring out you know, what God was saying and how relevant his word was. And then I would get excited to be able to share it, to share what I've learned with others. So um, just know that, again, this is something I love to do, and it is a just a holy, humbling, awesome responsibility and privilege that I have here, and something I'd never be able to do without God's calling and equipping, of course. So just to backtrack here, to give you a little bit of an understanding of how I ended up in seminary and ministry, um, again, just growing up in the church, and 
having that be such an important part of my life, I always, I always just kind of knew that I was meant to spend my life in ministry. It doesn't mean I was perfect because I grew up in the church. Don't ever equate that, please. Um, But I always sensed God's presence with me, just in an undeniable way. In every season and twist and turn, um, God's presence with me was just so solid and undeniable. And it also really just shaped and infused my personal conviction and desire to serve God. Just before seminary, I went to Memorial University in Newfoundland. Do we have anyone who ever went to MUN here? No? No one? Okay, that's okay. I studied music there. Um, I loved that. It's also the time in my life where I met Fred. We attended the same church, and we were actually dating when he went to the prayer room at 2 a.m. that morning, when he picked that promise. Do you all remember this from last week? Yeah, and so after that event, he gave me an ultimatum. (laughs) He he said, (laughs) well... He basically said, this is what God is calling me to do, and if you don't see yourself in this with me, then I need to know. Fair enough, right? Fair enough. Um, Obviously, I did see myself with him in ministry, and for me, this was a sign from God, and God was saying, now is the time, this is the one, and this is how you are going to do life and ministry. And so God brought together and solidified kind of this joint calling on our lives. We were meant to start this journey, this journey of faith and ministry as pastors in the Salvation Army together. And Fred is the best partner in life and ministry I could ever, ever hope for. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I know I'm partial, but I also think that I have the best kids. (laughs) Thank you so much for being so kind to them already and welcoming them. Um, It's just been beautiful, and I appreciate all your love and kindness towards them. I love being a mom. I love how God has gifted me with my kids, and I love how he's just kind of fostered these passions and callings in my personal life, of being a mom, of being a wife, of being a pastor and a preacher. I love how God has brought all of these things together and um, just really helps me to use them for his glory. And that is my life's prayer. It's a prayer I continually pray um, that God would just take my life and my passions and use them all for his glory. That's just a speedy version of, you know, how I got to this point. There's so much more for you to know about me, um, but I'm really happy that I'm going to have lots of time, right, to share more of my story with you over the weeks and months and years ahead even. So let's turn to our passage of Scripture together. We're continuing our teaching series this morning when Jesus says, I will Today, as we share together, you'll notice this one is a little bit different. It's just a little bit different. While our previous passages have been centered on the promises of Christ, this passage uses Jesus' I will to reveal his heart and his desire. 
And so where previous weeks we have heard Jesus say, I will give you rest, or I will make you fishers of men, today we hear Jesus say, I am willing. So similar, but different. So we're looking together at Matthew 8. And if you want to look it up, please feel free to do that. If not, you can listen and follow along on the screen. The first 17 verses of Matthew, chapter 8 here, are healing miracles. They are examples of Jesus healing the marginalized, bringing restoration to people, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually and culturally as well. They would be healed from disease and they would be restored back to community, no longer isolated. What I love about these healing miracles is that Jesus breaks down so many barriers, so many barriers, and he does this so that absolutely everyone can respond to his invitation to his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to look just at the first four verses Um, this morning, just one healing story. We're looking at where Jesus heals a man um, with leprosy. And so here's the passage. It says this. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So the man kneels down and says, Lord, if you are willing you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing. So Jesus gives us just this clear picture of compassion here, right? Compassion. So for a moment, let's just talk about leprosy. I'll share what I've learned about it with you. Leprosy is no longer common in our day. It's rare, so it's not something to fear like it used to be. There are now treatments for it that can cure the disease. But in Jesus' day, it wasn't like this. Leprosy was terrifying. There was no cure for it, and there was no prevention for it either. In Jesus' day, leprosy was a terminal disease. Not only could it kill the body, it killed the soul too, that inner being. So just think about it. People with leprosy became outcasts in their society. They became known as lepers, A leper couldn't be touched by anyone. They were contagious, and they were considered unclean under the Jewish law. It was also believed that a leper had been judged by God. And so leprosy was this outward sign of inward failure. 
When people saw a person with leprosy, they would just assume this person did something wrong. That they brought this harsh judgment upon themselves. This person failed in life. So it wasn't just this outward physical problem. It was just as much of an emotional, inward problem. In Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, we read how lepers um, are supposed to conduct themselves. Here's what it says. The leper must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. So this man in our passage of scripture this morning, this is his condition. This is his life. If he goes anywhere out in public, he basically has to draw all kinds of attention to himself to let everyone know that he's here and they better stand back and keep their distance. He has to cry out whenever there's others around, unclean, unclean. Pretty much saying, everybody look at me. I've failed at life, don't come near me. Stand back, keep your distance, stay away. So according to the law that we read in the book of Leviticus, this is what this man has to do. This is how he has to go out into public. He has to make sure that everyone knows that he's unclean, that he somehow failed. Just imagine how humiliating that must have been for people. I mean, physically, it would be so painful as the disease attacks your flesh and nervous system. But again, just the emotional upheaval of, of living with this would be depleting. I think people would be so confused too, wondering, wondering, did I really do something so wrong that I deserve this? There's so many more implications that we don't think of as well. Like people with leprosy would no longer be able to live with their families. They would have to live by themselves or with others who shared the same disease. Again, they were just so isolated, basically banished from society. Something else to note is that they weren't even allowed in the temples, the places of worship. They weren't allowed in God's house. And because of this, it could have felt as though God had rejected them. But in our passage here, in a public place, this man with leprosy comes to Jesus. So picture with me this man making his way through the crowds. Remember, he would be stating, unclean, unclean, the whole way. The people don't want to be touched by him, so they part like the Red Sea, and the man walks straight up to Jesus. He falls on his knees and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. You can help me. You can change my life if you are willing. He doesn't ask if Jesus is able to do this. He knows that he can. 
he knows that he can. He's asking Jesus, are you willing to help me? Verse 3 in our passage says this, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said. Be clean. Jesus touched a leper. Jesus didn't become unclean. Rather, the man was healed. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And I think the touch here that Jesus initiates with this man is so important to just consider for a minute, it would have been so long since someone touched this man, since he received a hug or a pat on the back or a high five or a fist bump. It would have been so long since he experienced that. Everybody would know that he was unclean and he was contagious and nobody would or could do anything about it. But here he comes to Jesus in faith, knowing that Jesus can. Jesus can make him clean. And in the touch of Jesus, everything changed for this man. The years of loneliness, the years of sickness, all the humiliation because of Jesus, this would all be restored. Now in verse 4 of our passage, Jesus says this to the leper. See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In the book of Mark, he retells the same story that we're reading here in Matthew, and he retells what Jesus says like this. Go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So the gift that Moses commanded that Jesus is referring to here is for this leper to offer a sacrifice for his cleansing and as a testimony that he is cured. God, through Moses, told the people the rules around offering sacrifices, including all the who, what, why, when, and how um, to doing them. And I read through some of these this week, and wow, (laughs) thank you, Jesus, for coming and being that final sacrifice for us, because if we had to do that today, oh my. Now stick with me, because this is very interesting. Where we are going to go next here is something I discovered in one of Rick Warren's studies a few years ago that I did, The Miracle of Mercy, it was called. Maybe some of you have looked at that as well. And in this particular story we're looking at today, this was a part of the study too. And so much of it still resonates with me. So this is what I learned and this is what I remember. Jesus tells the man he healed from leprosy to go to the priest and offer a sacrifice there for his being cleansed. Okay, so back to Leviticus because this is the book of Jewish law and tradition um, which is the, just the historical and religious context of the day here. So we find out from this book how people were to live and to obey the laws and how they were to offer sacrifices to God. So Leviticus 13 tells us how a leper is supposed to live 
And we looked at this briefly. Chapter 14 tells us about what he's supposed to do when he gets healed. So this is Leviticus 14, verses 13 to 14. It says this. The priest is to slaughter the lamb that this leper has brought. The priest is to slaughter the lamb in the holy place where the sin offering and burnt offering are slaughtered. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, the leper, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. This is weird and interesting, right? So Leviticus 14 tells us about what's required for the cleansing of a leper. Leviticus chapter 8 tells us what's required for ordaining a priest. So this is chapter 8, verses 23 to 24. Here's what it says. Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Moses also brought Aaron's sons who were being called into priesthood. He called them forward and put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. You with me? Here's the point, my friends. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. We are all in need of cleansing. Every single one of us. And the blood that cleanses the leper is the blood that cleanses the priest at his ordination. The sacrifice that makes the priest, who is this holy man, the sacrifice that makes the priest acceptable to God is the same sacrifice that makes the leper acceptable to God. You with me? Nobody is so unclean that they are beyond cleansing. And nobody is so righteous and so holy in their own minds that they are above cleansing. So whether a priest or a leper, we are all in need of cleansing. And it's the same sacrifice of cleansing for us all. What's most important for us to know today is that Jesus made that sacrifice for us. We no longer have to go through those kinds of rituals. Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made clean, so that we could be restored, so that we could live with hope, so that we don't have to be isolated and alone and banished so that we could receive love and grace and mercy and forgiveness whenever and wherever we find ourselves. We've all sinned. Not one of us here is perfect. We are all in need of Jesus, his saving, his healing, his cleansing from our sin. Like the leper, we don't have the capability to save ourselves from sin, from its guilt and shame. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. All we have to do is come just like the leper did 
and ask through prayer for Jesus to forgive, to forgive us, to cleanse us. Nothing or no one is beyond the redemption, the forgiveness, and no one is beyond the reach of God's love. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And as they make their way up here, I'll I'll say this. Um, If our hands were dirty, we'd never say, my hands are so dirty, they can't be washed. We wouldn't say that, would we? We would say, oh, my hands are dirty, I need to wash them. They need to be clean, I need need to do this. Our lives are the same. Our lives are the same, it doesn't matter what we have done or where we find ourselves. When we ask, Lord, are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to make me clean? He always responds with, yes, I am willing. I am willing to make you clean. I am willing to cleanse and forgive your sins. I am willing to restore your soul. I am willing. I am willing. He is willing. Jesus is willing. Jesus' life mission is all about forgiving and cleansing us from our sin. His mission is to restore us, to forgive us. And that's true cleansing. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we're so grateful to be found in your house today. We're grateful for your word because we learn so much about who you are from it. And from this passage of scripture today, God, we learn about your compassion and your mercy. We learn that it's your desire to forgive us, to cleanse us, to restore us no matter what. God, may those words um, that you spoke, I am willing, be clean. May they just resonate deep within our hearts and souls today. May we in these moments and in the days and weeks ahead lay our sin at your feet. And may we do that just with the confidence, God, in knowing that you are willing to forgive. You are willing to cleanse. You are willing to restore. Thank you so much for Jesus, for the love and the grace you have poured out over us or made available to us. We need you. We need your love. We need your grace. Thank you, God, that you are here, ready and willing to give it. We love you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless. 
where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. Aren't those beautiful words? There's so much truth in those words. We're going to sing them. Let's worship together.